we've been, well, quite a few weeks now, we've been looking at the church as the community of God. And this week is our final week looking at this subject. Last week we talked about being a missional community. Do you remember? Yeah. Who can remember my four points? Go. Make disciples. Baptize. Teaching them to obey. Excellent. Excellent. You're getting there slowly. Good to do my little test every week, maybe. This week I want to talk about just being a biblical community. And I'm just going to read a few scriptures. One, uh, I think they'll be up on the screen. 1 Timothy 3, uh, 14 to 17. This is the Apostle Paul writing to his young protege, Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know, that those, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Then Psalm 119, verses 88 to 90. In your unfailing love, preserve my life, that I may obey the statutes of your mouth. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth, and it endures. And then on to verses 104 to 106. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I've taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have another one which isn't uh, on the screen. I um, have a little daily reading thing I do, and I was just chuckling this morning when I opened it, and it, it uh, it said this. It's John 20, verse 31. And it's speaking of, of the parables, of, the stories about Jesus, actually. It's telling us about them. And uh, it just simply says this. These are the stories of Jesus and all that Jesus did. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Okay? Written down for our benefit. And then James chapter 1, verses 22 to 24, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. As we saw last week, one of the main parts of the Great Commission is to teach people to obey everything Jesus commanded. And we're only able to do that at all if we've got the word. Because what else would you teach them? Very important. So what I want to do today is something I've never ever done ever in all my years in ministry, is to try and give you an overview in 40 minutes of, or even less, of some of the key themes and highlights of Scripture, sort of going from beginning to end. I want to kind of whet your appetite so you can read and enjoy God's Word for yourselves. Um, uh, One of the things we are doing right now, I've been doing for nearly a year now is doing a a thing called Word Plus, which is a New Frontiers um, uh, course that takes you through the Bible in 10 sessions. It's five sessions each year. We've done, we're just coming to the last one in September. What I want to do, I've been doing that with 20 people. What I want to do as from January is open it to the whole church. So 
there'll be publicity and things like that, but just passionate about us understanding Scripture and getting a, a handle on the whole thing. So we're opening that to the whole church. And if there's too many people sign up, I don't know what I'll do, but I'll worry about that later. Simon will sort it for me. He's a good guy. All right. I, I was taught as a boy all the Bible stories. Brought up in a Christian home, and as, as our children grew up, we taught them the same stories. Parents, teach your children Bible stories. From as far back as I remember, I was singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Does anybody know this? Bible tells me so. And so, all ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Well, sing then. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Here's the big bit. The Bible tells me so. Okay, that's our quiet lesson for this morning. And so I grew up knowing the stories, singing the songs. However, I was never the sort of guy who loved to study. I was happy to read novels, things like that. And I also, I was an empirical engineering type who really, the thought of studying is not my idea of pleasure. You know, some people like to study for fun. Sad people, really. I... I that's not who I am, and I, I really don't like studying for its own sake, and that included the Bible. I only give myself to study if I really want to know something. It's not I can't do it, but I only apply myself to it if I want to find out. Well, that all changed once I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's as though God switched the light on in my life in so many different areas, and the key one of them was my reading of Scripture. Now, as I, re- as I read, I-, I began to see, I began to understand some of the-, the broad plans and purposes of God that I'd never seen before. See, you can know a Bible story, but, but it's good to get-, get a feel of the whole book, the-, the broad picture. You understand the context that things are in. And I began to see that and understand that. Now, partly I believe God did that for me because I- he-, he wanted me to preach and teach his word. But-, but I also believe with all my heart that the indwelling Holy Spirit will illuminate and reveal the Word of God even to the simplest soul. I passionately believe that. You don't have to be an intellectual to understand the Bible. You may understand it differently, but it's the Holy Spirit who is our teacher. He is the revealer of truth to us as we read the Word. So we read and study with our intellect, but also with the Holy Spirit bringing His revelation and understanding. We are a word and spirit people. So let me try and get through seven points. Normally it's three. Last week was four. This week it's seven, just because Jeremy's here, right? (laughs) Seven points. Quickly. (laughs) First one, the Bible tells us about God and his eternal purposes. Apart from the Bible, the universe is just an incomprehensible mystery. I love watching the programs, the science programs. This guy called, uh, what's his name? Cox, um, Brian Cox. Just sad from Manchester. He needs to get saved, but he's great. Like most of Manchester probably need to get saved, but that's all right. He's a fantastic, fantastic communicator. He can take profound things and make them simple. 
But he was explaining some of the mystery of the cosmos and talking about the nature of light. And I was watching it the other day just thinking, this is incredible. And I was just reminded in Scripture that it says, God said, let there be light. And it was only later that he made the sun and moon. And I just find the whole concept of, of, of the mysteries we see little glimpses of in science. And, and I'm very happy just to stay rooted in the Word, but I don't close my mind to the majesty of God's creation. And it's wonderful. But, but unless, if you don't have the word, it's a, it's a mystery. We see glimpses, but the more you see, the more there is to see. The, the, bigger, the more the questions, they, they think, oh, that's how, well, that means this, and, that, and so on. It's just incredible. The Bible offers the only satisfactory explanation for the age-old question such as who and what is man? Why are we here? What is the meaning of life? What is the ultimate goal of the universe? Do you ever ask those questions? Duh. Do, do. No. I, I, it's a sad world, really. I, 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 um, I think I, I told you the story where this, this guy on TV came from Jamaica, uh, Indian, uh, uh, Jamaican pastor, Baptist pastor, who came to an old Baptist church in the middle of the UK. It was on telly, and and he started reaching out to people, and he went onto a housing estate and gathered a whole crowd, and he said, tell me, why are you here? And people joked around, but the, the best they could come up with was, we're only here to reproduce. Well, that's true of animals. But you see, what happens is, when you take God out of life, everything's meaningless. There's no purpose. We're only here to reproduce. Do what you like. Live for this short time. But actually, God made us to be curious. God made us to ask questions. And we, the church, need to be a people who exercise our brain and ask some big questions. So I challenge you, don't just drift along. Ask some questions. Ask some questions of God. Ask some questions of His Word. It's good for you. It'll do you good. You won't get all the answers, but you'll get some of them. Very important. The Bible tells us about a God who is amazing. He's gloriously perfect and breathtaking in his whole being. He is spirit. He is one God, but three persons living in perfect unity. Wow, the mysteries are getting bigger. He is love. He's not just loving. He is love. The starting point and finishing point of all love is God himself. Is this a mystery? Unless you've got it wrapped up. Jeremy probably understands it all, but... but it's a mystery, but you know what? I've, I've been told enough already. My appetite's whetted. I, I want to know a bit more about him. So we look a bit harder and we see in Isaiah 40, verse 28. It says this, don't you know? I love that. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. Oh, I'm finding out a bit more. He never gets tired. He made it all and he never gets tired. I've seen the mayor this week and about 101 other people, and I'm exhausted. Hallelujah. God's not like me. And you know what? Even better, he's not like you either. He's amazing. He's fantastic. He's awesome. And so we begin to look at the world around us, and we see evidence of what he's done. Psalm 19, 1 to 3. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. 
Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. And yet, all the time, they're declaring his glory. Oh, it's good to be curious. Oh, wow. You see, if we don't have the Bible, we start to make God in our own image. We start to worship idols. We start to worship the sun and moon. We start to say God must be like a benevolent granddad who lives in the sky and is always nice to me. Or God's a big harsh judge who, who I can never please. We begin to put God into our image. We liken him to us in terms of our intellect, our capacity. God is not limited to our intellect, our capacity. God is limitless and awesome. Point two. The Bible tells us not only about God, but it tells us about men and women. What we are like. God's dealing with us and so on. You know, you've heard people go, hey, what are you like? <laughs> what are you like? How about if I came, what are you like, really? What about if I peel the veneer away this morning? Underneath, what are you like? Anything there? Any, ooh, I don't want you to see that. This is who I am. What about that underneath? No, no, no. What, what am I like? Well, the Bible tells me what I'm like. And even better, the Bible tells me what you're like. It's in the book. Hmm. That's amazing. The Bible tells us that this perfect triune God made mankind in his image and likeness. We were made to know and have relationship with him who is love. And yet the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve blew it. They were made to live in perfect union and fellowship with God, but rather than walk his way, they chose the root of independence. They ate the fruit of the only tree that was forbidden to them. And so they brought sin into the world. And you know what? You're sitting there thinking, well, if I'd been them, I wouldn't have done that. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Except you might have even had two bites of it. Because you're worse than you think. Sin means to miss the mark, and Adam and Eve missed it. They missed it. They missed all they could have in God, and they went their own way. And so they were thrown out of the garden in which was the tree of life. And so death came into the world, and that relationship they could have had with God was broken, and even the world itself came under the curse of sin. And so ever since, ever since that moment, all of humanity is born in sin and separate from God. That's what you're like. That's what I'm like. Born in sin and separate from God. That's what the mayor's like. Doesn't quite, I didn't quite tell him it like that, but I, like maybe I should have done. That's the truth. That's the truth. Point three, the Bible tells us that God never stopped loving us and had a plan. Now, I don't know about you, but I like a plan. Do you like a plan? I mean, it's just good to make a plan. It, it's, you know, people say, what are you going to do? I don't know. Oh, how about, I've got a plan. I'm going to work something out. Well, God had a plan. It's actually bigger than just solving this problem, but I won't unpack all of that right now. But God had a plan. It tells, the Bible tells us that he called a people to himself, starting with a guy called Abraham. 
And God promised Abraham that from every nation on the earth, there would be blessed, there would be, from him there would be blessing to every nation on the earth. And you perhaps know the story of Abraham. He's, he's childless. He can't have children. It says, and he's as good as dead. And finally, and finally. I haven't got time to unpack all of that. But you've got the story of Abraham, then of Isaac, then of Jacob. The family unfolding. The people of God unfolding. It's a great story to read. Gets quite exciting. Wonderful story. This nation, this people of God are growing and developing. God's with them. And then we go on to read of Moses and Samuel and David and all the prophets. God continues to work out his purposes on the earth. Highs and lows, centuries come and go. God's still working out his plan. Isn't that good? I, I get that. That's exciting. A plan that goes beyond you and is bigger than you and, and, and was way before me and will go on after me. Don't, isn't that something exciting? Yeah, okay. God, young people, isn't that exciting? Yeah. God had a plan, and he's still working it out, but we read through the scriptures, God has a plan, he's working out his plan, it's wonderful. We find in the, even in the midst of unbelief and disobedience, faithlessness, God remains faithful to his promises, faithful to his plan. What was the plan? that God had. God's plan was always Jesus. Isn't that a mystery? God's plan was always Jesus. As we read, we begin to understand that God's purposes are bigger than we can imagine. 1 Peter 1.20, He, Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times, these last times for your sake. We read that at just the right time, God sent his son, the second person of the Trinity, to take upon himself humanity, to be born of a young virgin called Mary, to grow up into manhood, living a sinless life, to reveal God to us, to teach us about God, his kingdom, and his purposes. And then, and then right in the middle, the Bible tells us about a cross that stands at the pivotal point of history. It's in the book. Stands at the pivotal point of history. It tells us that, that there, Jesus, the perfect, sinless Son of God, died shedding his blood. He died in your place. He died in my place. He died for everyone on the planet for forgiveness of sins to reconcile us to God. That's what it tells us. It tells us the bad news and then tells us the good news. Could you get a bit excited about the gospel? We started this morning with the, the joy of the gospel. I was thinking, oh, that would fit my message. That's great. The gospel is a message of joy to a lost and dying world. It is hope. It gives joy. It's, it's not just, oh, that'd be nice. No, no, this is life-changing. It's destiny-changing. We read it in the book. And we read and we, we say, oh, God, you did that for me. Yeah, I did it for you. The Bible tells us clear that, clearly that our broken relationship with God can be restored, but that for that to happen, we must be born again into the family of God. It tells us that this free gift of salvation, of being born again, is available to everyone if they will repent of their sin and put their faith and trust in Jesus. So the Bible tells us. 
As we do that, the Bible says we become a new creation, brand new on the inside, a new person. It says the old is gone, the new has come. Are you born again? Are you enjoying your newness? Oh, God. <laughs> Life as a child of God. Oh, it, it kind of... I think Gene said about every day is a new day. Mercies of God. And sang it. New every morning for the child of God. It's great. It's there to enjoy. It's there to live in the good of. Good of. But you know what? We say, oh, it's hard. <laughs> hey, you're saved. Don't complain, but rejoice. Rejoice. And point four, how am I doing? I'm doing all right. The Bible tells us who we are and why we're here. The Bible tells us of our destiny in the purposes of God. It tells us how God's plan was always to have a people of his very own drawn from every tribe and nation. I tell you, when I got filled with the Spirit and started to see this stuff, I just shook for three days. I just trembled for three days as I saw God had a plan of a people for himself. And I was a part of it. And it was glorious. And it was magnificent. And it was from all over the earth. And I just shook and shook and shook. And I've kind of been shaking ever since. It shaped everything I am and everything I do. You see, God tells us of a people who will rule and reign with him forever. That people are those who are born again. We are the church the Bible calls us the bride of Christ, the apple of God's eye. Isn't it good to be loved like that? Don't you think it's good to be loved like that? We, we delight the Lord every morning. Morning, Lord. And he says, oh, I delight in you. You're mine today. And we go, oh, Lord, we delight in you even more. And he says, no, not even more. You see, we love because he loves us first. We are responders to a lover and we'll never love him back as much as he loves us. We'll always be pursuing, pursuing, drawn closer, ever closer to an awesome God who loves us beyond measure. That's the gospel. Oh, does that not give you goosebumps? I think some of you have lost, forgotten what a goosebump is. Anyway. I don't know if anybody's read this book, Destined for the Throne, Paul E. B. Bilheimer. I, I, it was written uh, or published in 1975. Awesome, awesome book. Terry, I was thrilled one year, it, it stonely, Terry, Terry recommended this book. And it, you're not having my copy, it's the only one I've got. And I don't know if it's in print. If there's any, I don't think it's in the library that I'm aware of, but um, we'll, is it? You haven't seen that one? No. Anybody got a copy of this? Okay, we could do it some more because I, I think it's well worth reading. But he says this. The author's primary thesis is that the one person of the purpose of the universe from all eternity is the production and preparation of an eternal companion for the son called the bride, the lamb's wife. It's the church. God had a plan... And it wasn't just to rescue Adam and Eve. God had a plan before Adam and Eve, and it was always Jesus. That's a mystery how all that works out. But that was always the plan. God's plan was always Jesus and always to have a people for Jesus. And that, oh, I, I wish I could 
does it get you? Just a little bit? Does it get you, Andy? Oh, better. <laughs> I'll get you first. It, this is important. We're in one Colossians, uh, one, sorry, Colossians 1.16. For by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him, what? And for him. It was all for Jesus. It was always the plan. All things for him. You, for him. And it's not arduous. Because you're loved. It's not like, oh, okay. No, no. You're loved so much you'll pay any price. You'll give up everything because you know his love. That's how it is. That's the gospel. It's not a set of laws, but it's a destiny to fulfill in the purposes of God, and we're all called to it. You got it? Just a little bit? Perhaps. Shirley's got it. And the Bible goes on. I think Jackie might have to. And, and the, Bible, the Bible goes on to tell us how God wants to fill all those who are born again with his Holy Spirit every day to empower us to live for him as he catches us up in his wonderful purposes. Catches up in his wonderful purposes that are bigger than we think because it's for the nations and for the world and for eternity. That's what he catches us up in as the people of God. And so being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not that I might have a gift. It's that I might be filled with a lover, that I might be filled with, a, with, with the third person of the Trinity, that I be, might be filled with God himself and equipped to play my part and to fulfill my destiny in his eternal plan. That's what being filled with the Spirit is about. You got it? Good. Oh, you're getting there. That's, that's exciting. We are, a, we are the people of God made up from all the nations and people groups of the world who will rule and reign with him for all eternity, and he's involving us right now in the outworking of his eternal plans. That makes us an apostolic people, like I was talking about last week. We are apostolic. We're going to the ends of the earth. We've got to have the ends of the earth in our heart because they're in the heart of God, and we're full of him. As soon as you think church is about, well, it's, not, it's, it's the church up the road. It's the church in, in Middlesbrough. No, no, it is that. But wherever we are, it's, it, 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 it's, it's international. It's, it's the, the nations are in our heart. Do you, do you get it? To me, every church that's planted must, from its very inception, have the nations in its heart if it's to fulfill the destiny of God. Right. Point five. The Bible tells us of God's kingdom that's coming to the whole earth and how we, the church, are agents of that kingdom seeking to bring the rule and reign of God wherever we go. The Bible gives us the teachings of Jesus and the values of his kingdom so that we can learn to apply them in every part of our lives. And as we do that, God is glorified and the kingdom of God is revealed to this needy world. See, the Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. You get born again in the kingdom of God. You, the rule and reign of God starts in your heart. But it doesn't stay in your heart. It has outworking into your life and into your experience and into your behavior. 
into your conversation, into your choices, into your goals, into your aims, all the things you want to do, the kingdoms in your heart, and it starts to bubble up and shape you as a person, and it shapes your destiny, and shapes your choices, and it shapes your family life, and bit by bit you think, the kingdom of God is within me, but you know what? It's having ripples. It's having ripples everywhere I go. As we live according to the teachings of Jesus in his word, so the rule and reign of God is worked out in our lifestyle and behavior, and so this world is impacted by the love of God and the values and power of his kingdom because it's in us, being lived out in us. So Jesus came to people and said, the kingdom of God is near you because it's here. You can go to your work colleagues and say, the kingdom of God is near you because it's here. I'm living it. I'm shaped by it. No, not perfect, but we're working it out. I'm, I'm, I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. I'm, I'm learning to let the kingdom of God shape my lifestyle, my behavior, my choices. Are you living like that? Because that's what God calls us to. And that's why we have it. It's all in the book. It's all in the book. It's not like a do-it-yourself, make up your mind, what do you fancy? It's in the book. Point six, the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming again. To this earth. It's all right. That says it right. My notes say it wrong. That's okay. As long as this PowerPoint's okay. The Bible tells us that Jesus is coming again to this earth. And this time, this time he'll not come as a little baby. He will come in his majesty and glory, ushering in his kingdom in its fullness. At that point, we, the church, the glorious bride, will rule and reign with him on the earth forever. You know, we, you say to people, Jesus is coming again. They go, oh, that's, that's okay. Or they'll say, well, do you think he could wait till I've had my holiday? I know as a child growing up, I, I used to think, Lord, I, I want you to come, but could you wait till I've got married? Just, you know, a few things I'd like to do first. The sort of things. Do, 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 I mean, that's, that's how it... Well, you know what? It's, it's real, isn't it? D- didn't... Or I'm the only one who's real. Yeah, you, you... But God understands that. God understands the heart, human heart. But the bottom line is this. We need to understand when Jesus comes again, it's not like, oh, that would be nice. It will be awesome. It'll be magnificent for the people of God. It will be. He will not only... He takes our breath away now. We'll just be breathless then. But that doesn't matter because he'll give us all we need. Be wonderful. Come on, God. Be nice if you came soon. And yet part of me says, can you hang on a bit? Because there's too many people who don't know you. There's too many people heading for a lost eternity. And as long as we've got breath, our commission is to go and get them. And to share the good news of Jesus. I'm living for revival I'm living to see thousands and thousands and thousands of people born again. I, I love Jubilee. This is great. But is this it then? This it? Another 10 years? The same? Perish the thought. We're here to grow and grow and grow. I dare to believe. I dare to believe we're going to start to see tens of people added weekly. Hundreds of people added. I dare to believe it because God, in church history, it's there. And you know what? God is more than able. God is more than able. I believe it with every fiber of my being. 
I'm living for it. I'm praying for it. I'm asking God for it. Just ask God. We can't make it happen. No, it's not within our orbit to make that happen, except we just keep faithfully living it out, telling the truth, seeing we're on a mission. We're a called people. We're apostolic. We tell everybody. We tell our work colleagues. We keep living for Jesus. We demonstrate the kingdom, and we do it, and we do it, and we ask God, and then suddenly God starts to blow, and people are saying, can I, can I have some of what you've got? Can I, can I be part of your church? Can I, can, can, I've got this thing inside, and I've got to get rid of it. Can you help me? Yes. That's what happens. We ask God, and I dare to believe in my day, in Teesside, and in the nation, and even Manchester, we will see it. I, I'm living for it. Are you living for it? Are you, is that, does it shape your prayer life? Point seven. It's a very quick overview of the Bible so far, isn't it, really? I've missed out a few bits. And some of you might come and say, well, you never said about... That's okay. All right, I understand. But I'm not missing out this bit. Point seven says, is this. The Bible tells us of another book. And it's a very important book, and it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And I want to read to you from Revelation 21, verses 9 to 11, to start with, and then from 22 to 27. It says this, verses 9 to 11. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Now remember, we the church are the bride. We are the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And it shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. This city... Described as a beautiful city, an amazing city is the church, the dwelling place of God, the bride of Christ. And goes on, and I, and I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb were at its, uh, are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor to it. On, that, on, sorry, on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Bible tells us that at the time of Jesus coming again, everyone who has ever lived will have to stand before Jesus and give an account of the lives they've lived. It'll be a moment of judgment for everyone. The question on that day will not be, are you good enough to be accepted by God and welcomed into his eternal kingdom? Because the Bible makes it very clear that no one is good enough. None of us are good enough. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's a fact. That's a done deal. We don't measure up to the perfection of God. The question on that day will be, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? How do our names get there? By putting our faith and trust in Jesus, who is good enough. You know that lovely hymn, there was no other good enough to pay the price. So, 
price of sin, he only could unlock the gates of heaven and let us in. He is good enough. He is the Savior. It's about Jesus. He's the plan. He's good enough. And as we put our faith and trust in him, so all of his attributes, all his goodness, all his holiness and purity and majesty gets accredited to you and me, children of God, for all eternity. Isn't that mind-blowing. And so all of a sudden, we're looked upon. We're looked upon by the Father. And he says, I see the perfection of my Son all over you and all through you. You are hidden in him forever. And your name is written in his book, his story. And you're part of the story of the eternal plan of God, which was always Jesus. That's it. You got it? But you need to be born again. You do. Have you repented of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus? And you're born again. You can be, even this morning. You can today. You can be part, can be part of this people of God, loved by Him, this glorious church that He died for. I'm back to James now, finishing off. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Have we been looking in the mirror? Have you been reading it? Are you looking in the mirror and are you letting this shape your choices, your understanding of your identity and the purposes of God? Here's the mirror. What do you see in it? Or do you go, I've done my daily reading and then you forget about it? God's given us his word for purpose. We are a biblical community. I want to read something to you that William Booth said in the 1890s. William Booth was founder of the Salvation Army and a bit of a hero of mine. And he said this just approaching the 1900s. He said, I consider the dangers which confront the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. You think that was prophetic? That's awesome. How did we get there? By ignoring the book. Simple as that. You turn your back on the Word of God and everything falls apart. Well, here at Jubilee, we are and will increasingly be a biblical community called to purpose that our Jesus may be glorified in Teesside and throughout the world. Are you up for that? Hallelujah. Let's stand up.